Welcome to the UC Berkeley Data Science Education Podcast. We're happy you're listening in today. In this space, you'll hear from a variety of distinguished data science educators and professionals. The individuals we'll speak with are diverse in experience and perspective, but share the common goal of shaping the future of data science education. Our idea is to have some informal conversations with the goal of creating community and let people hear from practitioners in this growing new field. And my name is Lauren Chu, also from Data Science Undergraduate Studies. I'm working as an intern with the division's external pedagogy team, and I'll be helping to guide the conversation today too. Hi everybody. Today we have Professor R. Uma with us today, and we are uh, excited to have her on. I, I got to meet her last summer at a math workshop in Providence, Rhode Island, but I had known about her work uh, for a few years now. Um, and uh, really excited to hear about it. Could you give us a brief introduction to yourself and what you're currently working on? Yeah, thanks, Eric. Um, so first, uh, I go by the name Uma, even though officially it's my last name. And I would also first like to thank you and Lauren for giving me this opportunity to have this conversation. So I'm a professor of computer science in the Department of Mathematics and Physics at NC Central University. That's North Carolina. Central University. And my current projects focus on broadening participation on two fronts, using data science for social justice as a tool. So on one front, we are trying to get students from historically marginalized communities participate in greater numbers in STEM. And on the other front, we are trying to get students from a diverse set of disciplines participate in data science. So we want to do it both ways. Awesome. I mean, clearly from your work, you're passionate about increasing enrollment, retention of underrepresented students, bringing students into math and computer science. Um, can you, you know, go a little deeper and tell us about this journey and, you know, the thesis of broadening participation with data science? So let me try to condense my past 18 years into a few minutes or several minutes, as the case may be. So North Carolina Central University is a historically black university, a HBCU. And I moved here from UT Dallas where the environment was different. And so when I started teaching here, I came to understand firsthand the obstacles that our students or a majority of our students face. So many of them come from high schools where they have had no exposure to computer science courses. And the only exposure to computers that they've had is to create some PowerPoint presentation or a Word document. And so they may have enjoyed playing with PowerPoint and those, so they think, oh yeah, I'll major in computer science. They come here, they take their first CS1 course, which for us is C++. And they're like, no, this is not what I thought computer science was about. And so that obviously led to a huge attrition and retention problems. And so around that time, I was uh, poking around the internet and I came across Mark Gusdial's uh, Media for Computation, um, or rather Media Computation. Mm -hmm. And so, I introduced that as a CS0 course. 
So we had students take that before they went into CS1. So the thinking was, okay, Python is a much simpler course than C++ and syntax is very simple. They'll get the hang of it. And from Mark Gusdale's experience, it was like it can be personalized, et cetera. So we tried that. And I also threw in for a good measure, Alice and Scratch into the mix so that they get to see uh, the same concept from a graphical perspective and then with a simple uh, programming language before they get into C++. So although this helped to some extent, it did not help as much as I had hoped or as much as I had read it helped on Georgia Tech's campus. And so at that time, I realized that, okay, if we want to see any uh, improvement, we should probably get started earlier in the pipeline at starting at high school. So our university does have a good relationship with area high schools, which are most of our feeder schools for our university. So I, together with a longtime colleague and collaborator, Alade Tokuta, and a late former colleague, Laura Smith, decided to introduce programming into high school by training the teachers. So we thought, okay, there are several schools that are having computer science courses, AP computer science, but the students are not enrolling in that, particularly girls and minority students. And so we were working with a teacher also from the high school. So we thought, okay, why don't we train teachers to introduce Alice as well as part of their year-long course so that that could get more uh, uh, students that we are targeting into the program. And that way we could probably retain them better. So with that idea in mind, we submitted a proposal to NSF uh, through the broadening participation uh, program and it was declined. We did it a few times, it was declined each time. So then, um, uh, so then what we did was we said, okay, let's see what else we could do. And so we thought, okay, robotics is a good option because that's a hands-on activity that could get students motivated. So with that in mind, we obtained grants from NSF's HBCU UP program, which is their program for improving undergraduate STEM education and research at HBCUs. And within that, they have a targeted infusion grant, so which is mainly focused for innovative curriculum. It has to be a short-term uh, project. And as well as the Army grant helped us purchase uh, robots along with the Lego Mindstorm kits. And we created and offered courses on experiential robotics. So we thought, okay, let's get the students playing with robots, programming through that, and then realizing, hey, this is what I would like to learn, and then come into C++ after that. So we did that. And as a result of that, we also did some um, summer camps over several summers, inviting students from high schools throughout our state. And these were residential summer camps. So while we were doing all of this, a certain situation on our campus made them made the upper administration eliminate our program. So our computer science program was taken away. And so at that time, we had to decide how we wanted to move forward. And so Alade and I decided to introduce a novel concentration for our math majors. And we called it the computer and engineering math concentration. 
So uh, within that concentration, we decided we could have software engineering to overcome the loss of CS. We could have a data science concentration, and we had a few others. And this con uh, development of this concentration was again um, supported by a grant from NSF under their HBCU UP program. Again, it was a targeted infusion grant led by my colleague Alade. And we were create we created the courses for this concentration. We were offering it. We had some students and. While we were going through that, I came upon the University of Chicago's Data Science for Social Justice, uh, not that, Data Science for Social Good project. And I was really inspired by it. And based on my personal outlook, where wanting, to, wanting my work to mean something in society, as well as when I talked to my female colleagues, as well as my female students and friends, I realized they all felt the same way. So I thought, okay, that's something good. And thinking more about it, I came to realize that if we change the social good to social justice, then a broader group of minority students would also get involved, interested in it, and we could get them motivated through that. And so that made me switch from the social good to the social justice. And even though the two don't um, are not identical, there is overlap in the two. And so this thought came about in 2018. So I, together with my colleague Alade and a couple of educational researchers, Adrian Smith and Rebecca Zulilo, we submitted a, a proposal to NSF under the HBCU UP Broadening Participation Research Project. And we were successful this time, it got funded. So this was in 2019, we started working on it. So our idea was to introduce data science into a freshman seminar course through social justice topics. And we were doing that. And uh, our first PI meeting was in early 2020. And when we went to that meeting, we were told when you write your final reports, be careful how you word your social justice context because it can be twisted out of context in congressional halls. So you need to be careful how you word it. And um, so then fast forward a few months and George Floyd gets murdered. And this unfortunate incident, like unlike the earlier unfortunate incidents, did something to the collective conscience more than the others. And um, so this basically served as a catalyst to bring social justice to the forefront of everyone, and particularly within the academic community, where faculty started seeking out ways of how they could incorporate social justice into their disciplines, regardless of whether it was STEM, social science, or where they were coming from. And so in my opinion, I think data science was the right tool at the right time to achieve this, to get social justice incorporated in a wide array of disciplines. So that in my is in a nutshell is how I came to use data science as a tool for broadening participation. Thank you so much. And and I will just say when I when I learned about you a, a couple of years ago, that is something that really uh resonated with me about your work and also sort of the idea of like 
It doesn't need to be stuck in the data science classroom. This sort of work and exploration can be out there in other people's classrooms as well. And that's something where I, I really like, I love the work that you're doing. Uh, so currently, you know, perhaps like a change in temperature at the NSF, but you have several grants from the NSF uh, sort of like, you know, beginning and ending and concurrent uh, one of them about uh, getting non-computing majors to do a certificate in data analytics. Other ones about adding data in um, into other types of classes. Um, uh, you know, uh, collaborating across campuses to get faculty trained up in how to teach this way. Um, so I was wondering if you just sort of comment on how, like, you you've been successful in sort of like opening up a new area here. Well, I thank you. I think that's a bit much, but thank you. Um, so yeah, so I recently received an NSF IUCUE grant that's improving undergraduate STEM education, computing, and undergraduate education. So our prior grant on data science for social justice was coming to an end, and so we were seeking out uh, further revenues. And so we thought, okay, let's do this. And again, as I said, we don't have a CS program. So we weren't looking to uh, try to broaden participation within CS as such. And so also we thought, okay, there have been efforts in broadening participation within STEM. So let's look at it from a different angle. Instead of trying to get students into STEM, let's take STEM to students where they are. So they don't necessarily have to become STEM majors, but as long as they use STEM in their respective disciplines, we can consider that because then we can, on a um, overall level, get everyone involved in STEM. And so I am really happy about this particular grant uh, because of the uh, possibilities we can achieve with it. And it is a collaborative grant of three HBCUs within our state of North Carolina. One is our university, North Carolina Central University, and the other two are Fayetteville State University and Winston-Salem State Universities. My collaborators on this project include my colleague Alade, the educational researchers we worked with earlier, Adrian and Rebecca, and as well as Sambit Bhattacharya and his team from Fayetteville State, and Deb Zani Deb and her team from Winston-Salem State, as well as our colleagues from our selected non-computing majors across all three campuses. So we found that criminal justice was one of the majors that the majority of underrepresented minority students like to uh, select. So we chose criminal justice as one of the non-computing discipline. And the others were art, nutrition, exercise physiology, and forensic science distributed differently across our three campuses. And criminal justice off late, we are told, is becoming more data-driven. And so this is a skill set the faculty in those uh, disciplines are looking for their students to acquire. So we are designing through this grant a data science certificate or a data analytics certificate consisting of five courses. And the first course is kind of based off of our prior experience. It is an exploratory data analysis course, and we will use social justice data sets for the students to explore. So the goal here is to keep it no code, but focus on the data science processes. 
So the students will get a high level overview of the different stages of the data science lifecycle without having to worry about learning to code and getting frustrated with the coding process. So for that, we are using the CodeApp tool developed by the Concord Consortium in Massachusetts, which is where they can easily visualize the data with a drag and drop. They can create regression models with a drag and drop and clicking on buttons. So it makes it much easier for students to approach uh, visualizing the data. The second course is obviously based off of your uh, UC Berkeley's Data 8. Uh, why reinvent the wheel? So we decided to use yours and that Eric, of course, leads. And But we will uh, we'll focus our projects on social justice issues. And the third course will be a machine learning for all course. Again, the goal here is not to go into a very math heavy approach, but try to introduce the issues and keep it accessible to students from non-computing majors. And the fourth course is again borrowed from NYU's Responsible Data Science course to, key, to introduce the ethics and issues involved in that aspect. So again, the running theme is going to be the social justice theme. So in all these courses, our projects will be taken from social justice, overlapping or intersecting with the different non-computing disciplines that we had identified. And finally, the fifth will be a discipline-specific capstone course. So the students would uh, investigate a data set within their discipline, and of course, with the social justice uh, intent, and uh, address uh, the questions, research questions they raise on that topic. So this set of five courses will form our data science certificate and to motivate the students, as well as to make them more marketable and employable, we are also planning to issue digital badges for each course, just in case a student, for whatever reason, is unable to finish the certificate. They don't want this to go waste, as well as we want to issue a digital badge for the certificate. So that is what is planned uh, from the implementation side of this course. I mean, from this project. On the research side, we want to see how effective such an approach is to broadening the reach of data science among non-computing disciplines and how effect, uh, what are the students' uh, perspectives on going through this course, as well as how can we use this to change the landscape of training in the computer science, data science domain. So, that is an overview of what this project is about. We just got started and this morning, the first course just got uh, approved by our undergraduate committee. So it's heading up to the university council, uh, the university to get approval next month. Yeah, that's super exciting. Um, like as a student myself, it's really admirable how you take into consideration the students um, and what they're gonna be doing with these skills through every step of the process. So that's really cool to see. Um, kind of moving forward to more general questions. Um, how do you envision the data scientists that you inspire entering the professional world? Um, what kind of impacts do you hope that they'll have on the future of data science, whether that's education, ethics, or something else? So based on what we are all collectively feeling now and what we know of the biases that have crept into these tools, I am hoping that we as data science educators will train our students 
to be ethical and conscientious in whatever they develop, whatever products they develop. So we want our students, when once they are out in the professional world, to self-evaluate their work and address any biases that creep into their work right then and there and not let it uh, build up there. And, and of course, it is to their best of their abilities. It's at least knowingly, they should not leave uh, any uh, biases in their uh, product. And I, I would go as far as to say, just like how doctors take the Hippocratic Oath, I would hope data scientists would take a similar oath and have the mantra of first do no harm. Definitely. Um, so kind of our target audience of this podcast is majority data scientists and educators. So we're, we like to ask a lot of our um, interviewees, how should we as data scientists and educators be creating or evolving a community around data science education? So in my opinion, uh, the computer science field developed both in reality and the way it developed both in reality and in the so-called myth was that it became less uh, able to accommodate people of diverse skill sets. You, If you're good in programming, you make it. If you're bad in programming, you're out. And that basically left out large groups of people. It was uh, not very forgiving of that. And in some sense, this was a detriment to the field of computer science. Uh, I mean, just to share, even though I'm a professor in computer science, the word hackathon is still not something I feel comfortable with. Again, the, the visual image that comes to mind is a room full of men huddled over computers and me being left out. So if I can feel that at my age, you can see how it would feel for uh, young students. So therefore, I think data science, at least from the experiences I have been dealing with, I think data scientists and data science educators are aware of that issue and are trying to create the training in data science to accommodate that. So there are several efforts in that regard. For instance, data carpentry, I saw that uh, you had um, her on your podcast earlier. Uh, South Big Data Hub and the other regional hubs. There's the National Consortium for Data Science and other similar organizations that I may have left out. They are putting in a great deal of effort to train not STEM majors, but train anyone in data science. So, so that people from all walks of life can be trained in data science and they all have a role to play in this that no particular section or community will get locked out of being part of this uh, data science field. So in order to achieve this, of course, as I mentioned earlier, that CODAP tool is what is achieving us to introduce it to students from non-computing backgrounds. So if we want this to scale up, then I think that is a task putting on my computer science hat. That is a task that we computer scientists and uh, uh, software developers need to address wherein we need to come up with tools where it becomes indistinguishable as to whether the data analysis was done with a drag and drop tool or with a programming language like R or Python and somewhat like the Turing test, right? So if you cannot differentiate how the data analysis was done, then I think we would have truly achieved that to include everyone into the field. 
Definitely. I really like how you center your work around inclusivity, taking into account like your own personal experiences, which I definitely have experienced too as a woman in STEM. Um, so as we wrap up the end of this interview, something that we always ask every single one of our interviewees is, do you have any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for data science educators around the world? Uh, yes. So data science has is kind of unique in that it blurs the discipline boundaries because it can be overlapped with any discipline. So as a result, far in the future, I don't know how far, but I think companies may no longer have a position titled data scientist. Rather, I think the data science skills may become so fundamental that everyone will be expected to be reasonably competent in it. Like more like how typing is today. There is no position for a typist in companies, but back then we used to have that. So it doesn't matter how you are typing. You may follow touch typing. You may follow hunt and peck typing. You may be fast in typing. You may be slow in typing. All skill levels are okay. And that is okay. And everyone has a role to play in that. So that's where I think um, we are headed, or at least I would hope we are headed, so that data science is truly open and inclusive of everyone, of all abilities, of all skill levels. Great. I really like that. Thank you. That's a wonderful metaphor, a really nice way to wrap up, that everyone's going to need to know this at some point. Yes. Thank you very much. All right, thanks. Nice to chat with you. Same here. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you're interested in learning more about data science education resources, please subscribe to our Substack to get notified when we release any future podcasts. And join our community Slack channel through the link provided in this episode's description. Thank you.